Hey gang, welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, if you're just getting started on your journey, maybe you got a place under your belt, maybe two or three, and you're ready to start rocking and rolling in real estate, pay attention to this upcoming episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey, gang, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of this podcast episode you're about to listen to, just wanted to first give a big shout out to Derek and Alex for having me on as a guest on their YVR Remo show, and that stands for Real Estate and Mortgage Show. So Derek and Alex, I hope you guys get a chance to to listen to this one as well. Just wanted to just say thank you. I wanted to thank you for having, uh, having me on your show. Thank you for putting together a wonderful, safe place for people to learn about real estate investing and mortgage financing and all that kind of wonderful fun stuff. So if you guys are out there, if you just type in YVR Remo, R-E-M-O, wherever you're listening to podcast episodes, you will be able to get all the episodes that Derek and Alex are putting on. Okay. Now, before I do jump into, we jump into the conversation here. One of the things I, as I was recording this, and then especially after doing the editing, I always have to remind myself, um, the majority of people investing in real estate are in probably what I would call the one to three property um, mark, where one to three properties that you own within real estate. And I always have to remind myself sometimes, sometimes, you know, when you've been doing this for 20 years and you have this experience that you have to keep reminding yourself that most people are, are on the, you know, on the getting started phase. So in this episode, we, ju- we dive back you know, a little bit further into maybe of a getting started phase. And for some of you, if you're listening to this and maybe you've got dozens and hundreds of properties, there's always a fantastic uh, reminder of a beginner's mindset on how you got started and how you have the conversations with other people, you know, and if you do want to check out that episode of a beginner's mind, you know, always come at everything with a beginner's mindset. So guys, I sure hope you enjoy this episode. To make sure you stick around right to the very end. Uh, I have something I want to share with you at the very end. And with all that being said, let's please help welcome Derek and Alex. So, so Derek had a really important question to start the conversation off. He found it uh, in doing our research of you. Derek, why don't you take the lead on this one, buddy? I was doing a background check today and I found on your website that we should always ask you about the six degrees of Saskatchewan theory. <laughs> and I'd love to hear it. Oh man, you guys really do your homework, right? On. <laughs> well, we've all heard of the six degrees of separation, right? Where usually, you know, usually it's called the Kevin Bacon theory, where usually where two people meet, probably within six connections, you find out that you probably know somebody in common. Okay. The six degrees of Saskatchewan, when two people from Saskatchewan meet, you will find out within six people, within six connections, you'll find out you're related to each other. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. (laughs) I like it. I don't know how to feel about that, but uh, just based on your smile, I'm going to say it's a great thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's supposed to be funny. (laughs) Russ, man, we appreciate you coming on today. You were just sharing with us how hot you are as far as business coming through the door right now and how much, how high in demand you are. So it's uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you join the show here, man, especially with such an incredible background. Thank you, sir, for, for coming on today. Hey, hey, Alex. Hey, Derek. How's it going, guys? Thank you very much. You know what? I just want to, before we jump in, we got I'm looking forward to this conversation. I've been looking forward to it all week. I just want to give you guys a quick high five and just tell you guys that you're doing an amazing job with your podcast and educating your audience. This is a needed service out in the marketplace. And I just want to give you guys some, some props and credit where credit is due. You're doing an amazing job. Appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you, sir. And, and the feeling is mutual because I know that you've recently in the last six months launched your, launched your very own podcast uh, as well, which is hyper-focused on specifically uh, what you do. All, and, and we're going to get right into it and why the heck uh, you're helping us today because you're definitely an expert in your field. Uh, we call it raising capital. But before we get into raising capital, we don't want to get into that yet. We're going we're gonna to leave some, some interest for the audience. Well, you're here. being such a tease, Alex. What are you doing there? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call in the business. Part. They call that a tease, right? 
we're making we're making these people hang on here, but we got some good stuff uh, coming up here. So I think they're going to hang tight for a bit here. We want to know who the heck's Russ because I think at the end of the day, for us to care about someone, we always want to know a little bit more about their story and their backstory. And I feel like the listeners would want to know a little bit uh, more about you know who you are and and where you started. So. Russ, could I could I ask you like before you know going too far? I mean, we would have done the intro already. Everybody knows a little bit about what you're what you're great at and uh, wh- what you've made your name in. Now, where did the passion and the desire to get into investing in real estate come about? Like, where did that come from? Wow, um, great question. And not that I'm trying to deflect, but usually the hardest question we ever we're we're humble Canadians. Um, and the hardest question ever to answer is, so tell me about yourself. You, usually we're really good at deflecting about, no, tell me about you. No, you tell me about you. No, you go first. No, you go first. Right. So um, where the passion for real estate, you know, it's interesting. I probably never would have ever guessed that real estate ever would have been a passion of mine. I grew up in small town, Saskatchewan. I grew up in a mobile home park. I actually never lived in a house until I was probably about 14 years old. Um, I never bought my first personal residence until I was probably in my, in my thirties. I bought 10 rental properties before I ever bought a personal residence before I moved forward. And, you know, I would have never, real estate was never really on the radar ever until one fateful day in year 2000, turning a millennial, I was turning 30 years old. One of those birthdays that had a zero at the end. So turning 30 and, you know, with a self-diagnosed Peter Pan syndrome, I had to start actually thinking about growing up. Um, and at that time, uh, what came into my world fairly shortly after was the little purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I would imagine a lot of people probably got their first start into entrepreneur and real estate from Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And from one thing that led to another, from reading that book, which then led me to go having a meeting with my my financial planner, and I'm using air quotes for those of you listening, um, essentially my mutual fund salesman. He introduced me to the cash flow game. He introduced me to a different way of looking at it, which then led me into reading Real Estate Riches by Dolph DeRuz, which then led me into finding a, a workshop put on by the Canadian rich dad, Darren Weeks, at the time. And that's when I met Don R. Campbell. Don Campbell, if many of you know or are familiar with that name, it's probably synonymous with probably one of the pioneers of real estate education in Canada. And that's when I met Don Campbell, became a member of the Real Estate Investment Network. I started working for the Real Estate Investment Network. I became their vice president. I bought a whole bunch of properties. There was a stretch of five years that I bought a property a month, transacted over 100 places. And lo and behold, here we are. I just turned 50 this year. And I'm wondering what I'm going to do when I still grow up. So is that a nice quick summary? I, love I think you've done, you've, you've done this a couple of times, Russ. Uh, today. <laughs> a couple of times today. I love it, man. So, so what stood out uh, to me in that conversational tone that I hope someone that's listening to this picks up is uh, the fact that you started uh, actually buying uh, properties in your 30s is what I, what I caught from that. Um, and you've obviously established yourself over a long period of time. So this isn't something that boom, you picked up and you're, you're hanging out with us today, talking about it. You've been doing it for, well, what, what, let me just ask you this. What was the, uh, the year that you mentioned that you had picked up that book and started that conversation? It was, was it was right around 2001 and I bought my first property in late 2002 and I bought my most recent property late uh, in 2020. So I've been active all the way through. I've, you know, here's, I often make the joke that I probably, there's no mistakes left in real estate because I've made them all. And I'm happy to share all the learning and all the landmines and all the mistakes I've made just to give people a little bit of comfort and confidence that, you know what, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to make every right move. You can actually buy the wrong places in the wrong areas, the wrong tenant profiles and have gunfire in your in your rental properties. I like to share the good, the bad and the ugly. And that's just what I'm all about. I'm, I'm full transparency about what I'm all about and what I teach and what I share and how I come across as a real estate investor and an educator at the same time. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, wealth and knowledge. So you are a coach, a mentor, educator. I saw on your website, you've done 889 presentations, I believe. And you're also an author. You've written a couple books on this. Well, 890, counting tonight, right? Counting tonight. Yes, exactly. Let's move the dial. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, co-authored two books. 
uh, Real Estate Joint Ventures and 97 Tips for Canadian Real Estate Investors, both with Don Campbell and then on the 97 Tips book with a couple other co-authors as well. So, you know, not only not only have written about it, not only have transacted about it, I teach about it, I share about it. You know, you know, I just I really love real estate. It's what I do from when I get up in the morning at five in the morning till when I put my head down on my pillow at about 9 30 10 o'clock at night it's real estate non-stop really well, that's, likewise that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think we can uh safely say we feel the same way as you and yes. i'm glad to hear that uh so hey Russ, really interesting year this year uh or last year i should say um i don't want to date the podcast too much because definitely people will live and hear this at different times but let's in the last year we have gone through one of the biggest economic and life uh changing events than, that we've seen in uh well decades and it's changed the landscape for a lot of different people in a lot of different communities and the way they operate the way that they uh, they do business. And I personally uh, believe that this will, uh, in many ways, change the, the future of you know how we interact and, and what we do and that maybe the real estate that we see. Uh, right into it, uh, Russ, how has this impacted the way that you communicate uh, to people about the real estate, about the investments and so forth? Has this made a, a paradigm shift or has this impacted the people that you're seeing coming to you for support? Yep. Well, you know what? It's actually a great question, by the way. Um, and I hope you guys keep track of how many great questions each of you ask. It's a little competition, right? So <laughs> uh, it, it here's the thing. For the past probably better part of four years, I've actually been going virtual with a lot of my coaching and training and communication and live broadcasting. YouTube videos have been going virtual with all of that. So I think what's really kind of happened was this year was kind of a pivot for most people to start going online. And I actually feel I was probably prepared for it more than more than most. What the biggest change that I found for myself within my business was this was a time to step up and become a leader. This was a time to step up and lead. I, I've gone through some market challenges and some ups and some downs and, and all kinds of things like that. And I'm, you know, 2008 comes to mind was the last one where there was some really some turbulence that happened in the marketplace. And I sat back when COVID hit and I said, what did I do wrong in 2008 and how am I going to fix it this time? Like at that time, you know, there were some challenging times. I, I, you know, didn't exercise. I put on some weight. I, you know, hid if there was a problem. I wouldn't share the challenge with people. I didn't step up. I played small. I didn't play a big enough game. So this time, this time around during a, a challenging time, I decided to just step up, lean in, provide more value than ever um, coach for free in some cases, put on webinars for free. I would just provide resource after resource and te templates and checklists and financial, you know, and um, property management documents. I would just provide whatever service people would need to help them navigate the turbulent waters that we were facing. Yeah, I mean, I think that says a lot about, uh, first and foremost, you mentioned that you had this experience in the past. So having gone through it once before, understanding what uh, what the experience was like to go through, uh, you know, a major economic event or life event. And uh, and then the second thing is, you know, where you're at today in the world, that we have so much opportunity with this, well, this, for example, Zoom, with podcasts, with the social media, with connecting to people, you know, down the, the same vein of that, Russ, have you noticed the people reaching out to you, inquiring about about investing in real estate, learning. Have you noticed that there's a different demographic uh, of people that are reaching out this time around? Has it shifted? Has it changed at all? Yeah, it's it's expanded. It's actually a worldwide audience nowadays. I'm, um, you know, without getting into really long stories, I'm actually going a lot more of my lessons have been going south of the border. And don't get me wrong, that's an awful lot of mental gymnastics that I'm having to go over and get over, you know, the fear of going down into the States. And, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy from Canada, from, from Saskatchewan. How do we, you know, we, we don't go down there and we don't go into the big bad US of A, right? And um, so, so really, it, I think it's for people that have embraced it and have pivoted, I think there's some incredible opportunities. And to be brutally honest, when I first, I think the market is actually better than it was when I first, when it first happened, right? Like really, I sat down and I pragmatically looked at what could happen. And really during the time, there's only three things that could happen. It can be good, it can be bad, or it could be ugly. There's only three things. 
right? So I actually sat down and wrote a business plan on all three things. What happens if the market is good? What happens if the market is bad? And maybe it's prolonged flatness for a long period of time. And what happens if the market is downright ugly? And I actually have been for the rest of the year, I've been executing against all three of those plans. Okay, now, don't get me wrong, it's I've been busier than ever from a standpoint of to execute against one plan is enough. But when you have to execute against three, just because there's uncertainty, um, it makes for some long days, right? And I, I was looking, you know, I didn't have as many bags under my eyes a little while ago, that that there is there is, I think that there's an incredible opportunity. And it really comes down to an old Tony Robbins saying, it's not about the the resources you're provided, it's about the resourcefulness that you can bring to the market. What does the market present you and what opportunity can you get out of it? Whether it's good, whether it's bad, or whether it's ugly. Awesome. Can you do a bit of a high level just on kind of the concept that you would assist your clients with on getting an understanding? Because you're obviously you know involved in, in the raising capital side of things and probably connecting them with you know, a potential property holder. Um, can you kind of do a high level on how that works and, and what markets you're in? Because you just talked about the U.S. So the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, if depending on on how in-depth you are in the involvement of finding properties and, you know, you're probably working throughout every province in Canada, those are all different markets that you need to gauge, right? So having the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, would obviously present a fair amount of work for yourself. Yeah, well, if you get... Sure, we have some time right now. I'll walk you guys through the quick level diagnostic of what I walk through anybody that comes through on a consultation. So if somebody ever wanted to reach out, they could, you know, if they went to my website, there's a button there, consultation. This is the diagnostic I walk people through. It really comes down to when it comes to real estate, there's only five things that will will be the most important. There's five things that are very important when it comes to real estate, okay? And if you, any of you are paying attention and if you have a pen and paper, write down the word team, T-E-A-M, okay? Now, the first thing you're gonna notice is T-E-A-M. There's only four letters, right? So math is not one of those things that you need to be strong at, right? And, and as the joke goes, there's only three kind of people when it comes to math, those who can do it and those who can't wait for it right so, so the t in the t- in the t- team analogy stands for time like how much time do you have to put towards real estate like i just got off a conversation with a person that has a young family four kids works a very stressful job wife works as well um they don't have a lot of extra time so for them to do something like uh you know a, a burr strategy or a big giant development something that's going to take a lot of their time just doesn't make sense Okay, the E in the team analogy stands for education. Like at what level have you educated yourself? What books have you listened to? What podcasts have you listened to or read? What um, training programs have you gone through? What mentors and coaches have you done? What do you know? What is your education level? I would never, ever want to potentially recommend somebody do a giant multifamily property if they maybe haven't bought their first property. Okay, so that's T and E. And the A stands for your attitude or your mindset. What is your risk tolerance? What is your risk profile? What is your attitude? You have an attitude of no matter what gets thrown my way, I'll make it work. Or are you a little bit more risk averse? The person I was just talking to just before this was very, very risk averse. So he needed to have a little bit more of a conservative approach. Okay. And then the M stands for money. What money do you have available? Can you qualify for financing? Can you qualify for a mortgage? Do you have amazing people on your team, like the people I'm talking to with Alex and Derek here? Do you have down payment capital? Where would the down payment capital come from? So time, education, attitude, and money. And then the fifth one is team. Do you have a team? Do you have a coach? Do you have mortgage brokers? Do you have realtors? Do you have accountants? Who is on your team? So if somebody came to me and they had no time, they had maybe just got started on their education, they were a little bit risk averse, they had the money and they could qualify for a mortgage, I would probably recommend they would get into something, into a bigger center, larger center, maybe a little more conservative, maybe a new construction house with less management into a market, say, like Edmonton or the Fraser Valley of Vancouver or a suburb of uh, of Toronto, like uh, out uh, Barrie, Aurelia, Hamilton, Niagara, those kind of places and get into something that's just a little 
less management, a little less hassle, and a little more turnkey. So that's kind of a, a quick synopsis of what I do with a diagnostic. And every person that comes through the door is a different person with different variables. So would you consider yourself, uh, like, because we're going to drill down here. So that was really good high level, kind of a, a conversational approach when someone comes through the door here. So let's get like down to the dirty details. We've got the uh, team sorted out. You have a clear understanding as to how someone uh, qualifies. Like, where do you come into the picture, uh, Russ? Like, what specifically? Well, where I come into the picture is a couple things. Number one is in my conversations with people, a couple things will happen. Um, in doing that diagnostic, somebody will come out to the end, and at the end, I will ask a question, usually if the person is, here's the prescription for you to move forward, okay? Would you like to do it yourself, or would you like it done for you? Would, some, would you like somebody to do all this for you, or would you like to go do it yourself? And the person typically that has no time and all that kind of stuff typically say, well, I, I'd like to have a done for you solution. Okay. Then I'll go down the road is, would you, do you mind working with somebody else to potentially work on a project together? We would partner together on a project and we would do some split of profits. Is that something that would work with you? No, I hate that kind of thing. Okay, no problem. Um, how do you feel about um, buying a property? Maybe that's a little bit turnkey. So if you want to do it yourself, then I would do is I would recommend people and resources in my network to send them to those people for them to just go do it themselves. So really, after all that diagnostic, it comes to after you give them a prescription, I want to find out very clearly, do they want to do it themselves or they want it done for you? And if they want it done for you, that's where I can come in and I potentially could form uh, some kind of a co-ownership, some kind of a joint venture relationship, some kind of a partnership, or they might want to do it themselves. Then I can refer them to people like yourselves. I can refer them to good lawyers, tax planners, accountants, realtors, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes there's a gap in between there. And sometimes that's where coaching comes in, right? They don't want to partner with somebody. And they don't want to do it themselves, but they need some hand-holding along the way. And then that's where maybe a coaching package would come in and we would enter into a service level of how I would coach you to get your properties purchased. Got everything covered. Yep. Well, and it really, it comes down to it. 100% it comes down to is just serving and providing the value for the client. It's whatever the client requires and needs, I'm here to help. And many times when it comes down to, I will will be point blank with somebody and they will come in and and if it's not a fit, that coaching's not a fit or they're not ready to buy a piece of real estate or they're not ready to do a partnership or anything like that, my recommendation to them is here's what you need to do. You need to go listen to this podcast, this podcast, read this book and read this book. After you've done those four things, come back to me, tell me the actions you're going to take from it. And then the next step after that process would be go see yourself a good qualified mortgage professional to see where you stand financially to see if you can qualify for financing. And after you've done those steps, then come back to me and then we'll take the next step forward. Most people, when I give that prescription, don't actually take the steps, right? But but the beautiful thing is the people that do take the steps, I know how committed they are to their success and what they're willing to do to move forward. I think that's a really good advice. And I want to echo something that you said there as well, because we get a lot of people who reach out to us from the podcast uh, or referrals or social media or a variety of other sources that uh, come through the, the woodwork. And one of the biggest challenges that we consistently come across is, hey, I, uh, I'm i here today and I want to buy four properties this year and eight the next year and uh, 14 after that. And obviously part of that conversation is okay. Uh, you know, how, how do you intend to do that? Do you have a plan of action? And it's no, I don't, but I want to do it. Right. And so I think if anyone's listening to this, they shouldn't get discouraged. Obviously there's the information out there, but, um, to what you're saying there, Russ, and, and you're part of the, you're one of the contributors. I think our podcast contributes to this as well, is that there is so much information out there. You've got to do a little bit of the legwork on your own. You've got to be able to make sure to spend the time, and the energy to research and understand what's important to you. Maybe some of your basic goals, unless of course they hire you as a coach, in which case you can help them with that possibly. Um, but some of your basics, so you have a framework. If you have no framework, then you've got no focus and no one can really help you. Uh, In what we do every day, uh, we primarily get very creative in helping people find solutions, but we need an understanding as as to where you're trying to go. And of course, if you have the tools to get there, right? Or we can tell you what tools you need. 
Um, the gap that I understand that you fill in, Russ, is you're, you're basically helping people uh, connect to those different parts and, and pieces and helping diagnose whether or not they need uh, a certain, well, I shouldn't say need, but what direction they should go as far as their investment, as well as a whole lot more. So that's really interesting to hear. And I want to uh, jump back. So you wrote a book about uh, joint ventures, uh, and that's something that we want to talk about. So you, you've really found a niche in this space here. And although you've mentioned you do so much more, you diagnose the whole picture, you're helping connect people, you coach, you put them in direction, there's a niche in the space that at least you've kind of um, found as your own. And that's been helping people raise money and find capital. And, and, and I think we want to, I want to micro this because that can sound so big and scary. And we're not talking about buying all a number of apartment buildings in a, in a city here. Sometimes it's just about two people getting together to buy a single property. And in fact, that's probably a lot of the time what it is. So let's go basic here. Russ, yep. can you just define to us what you mean when you say raising capital at a very entry level? Yep. Okay. Well, let me let me take it one step back and let's put some practical numbers to this. So let's say that person that came into your office was talking about four places. And the first thing I do is high five, right on. Good for you. Let's go do it, right? Okay. What's your plan? Okay. Let's just say they're suited houses, half a million bucks each. So $2 million of acquisitions. You're going to need access to about 400000 in down payment capital plus room to qualify for the mortgages. Okay. Do you have access to $400,000? And usually the question typically is yes or no, right? Some people it's absolutely yes. Some people it's no. I like, okay, if you don't have access to 400, what, what do you have access to? I got access to 150. Okay. So you have access to potentially buying your first place. Okay. Which leaves you about $300,000 short to get to your four places that you want to buy. Okay. So what I encourage someone to do would be pull the trigger, buy with your own capital first, learn the process, go through the ins and outs, learn how to write the offer, get the mortgages, do all that details that you need to do in order to acquire that place. Once you've got that property under your belt, you now have that half a million dollar asset and you now have a world, you have a a world-class education on real estate because you actually did the work. Okay, then I would take that $500,000 property and then I would start having conversations with all my friends and family and people with my inner circle and people I work with. And I would tell them about the property that I bought. Here's why I love it. Here's why I didn't. Here's what I learned. You know what? If you're ever interested in wanting to maybe work with me to to work together on a property, let me know. I'd love to have a conversation over a coffee to see if we can maybe work on something together. Then my first property that I would potentially join venture would be that property I purchased that I maybe would find a money partner, somebody, maybe Uncle Alan, and Uncle Alan would come and maybe Uncle Alan is interested in maybe wanting to work with me. And maybe Uncle Alan for a $100,000 investment can own a 60% share or 50% share of that asset that I already own that I've done all that work. Okay. Now I potentially, let's say we go through it. I'm oversimplifying it. There's lots of steps, but let's just say Uncle Alan comes in with a hundred thousand. I get my hundred thousand back. And then what do I do? I go buy another place. Okay. And I would keep doing that model until whether the bank won't finance me anymore or I can't find another investment partner. I would just keep presenting investment opportunities that I have to people that I know, family and friends to start with. And I would always put this, you guys just write this uh, philosophy down, add value first. Always add value first to the people that you're about to work with. And if you add a tremendous amount of value to the people that you're going to be working with, you will have value to them because you provided value to them first. And that's good. I love that. And uh, thanks for going a little bit deeper uh, on that because you went as as far as to give someone essentially uh, a simple strategy to have a conversation with someone about money in in a, uh, a clear uh, wait, now convincing them to do that might be a little bit tougher. Uncle Alan might be a little tight from the wallet, but we'll. <laughs> well, the, the biggest problem typically with family is they they consider you as little snot nosed kid that you're growing up. They don't see you as the businessman anymore, right? Or the business person. And, and the tycoon you're doing, they're just go, oh, I remember you as that snot nosed little kid, right? 
<laughs> yeah, hopefully not too. Hopefully not too much. Um, Sorry for I got the graphic. I'm from Saskatchewan. That's that's what we. <laughs> that's a personal problem. <laughs> Um, so I, so I got another thought on that before I'm going to pass it to Derek. He's got some, some, something he wanted to dive deep into as well, but let's, uh, let's stay on that for a minute because I really want to, uh, drill even deeper. I love getting deeper. Um, so, so Alan does come to the table. He says, I am going to give you some money. Let's do this. What is, what is step two now when we have that money in hand, how are you structuring that? Uh, what are you calling it? Is he on title? Typically, what are we seeing? What are your recommendations to start with there? Well, on that that first transaction that I talked about, that I bought the property myself, okay? And then Uncle Alan comes in with $100,000. Uncle Alan would essentially get a beneficial ownership position on that property that we would draft up a joint venture agreement. We would draft up a trust declaration document. And we would draft up all the legal paperwork that Uncle Alan would have a beneficial interest in 50% of that property. Um, the mortgage would still stay in my name. And Uncle Alan would contribute $100,000. So in essence... I essentially sold a 50% ownership share to Uncle Alan, in essence. Then I get my down payment capital back, and I've gone from one property to half a property. But still, a half a property is better than zero properties, especially now that I got all my seed capital back again. Then what I'm going to do is my next call, my next conversation after that would be to Alex and Derek to go find, to see if I can go qualify for another mortgage. Then I'm going to go talk to my mortgage, uh, to my realtor, and I'm going to go find another place and see if I can buy another place. And then when I buy that next place, I'm going to then approach somebody else within my network of people to find out if they want to buy into that asset that I own. And I do it all 100% with the agreements. We have um, legal agreements. We have joint venture agreements. We have trust declaration documents and there's multiple different ways we can do it from there, right? Now, where we'll pivot and change is to the point where maybe I can't qualify for financing. Then we would do something a little bit different. So based on what you said there, the best strategy, if you can, is to buy the property, take ownership, get it rented, and then you have this asset that's producing cash flow potentially that you can present to family, friends, whoever to bring them in. But I think what you were getting to at the end there is if you're running into issues where you cannot achieve the financing on your own, you might create that partnership before purchasing and maybe you're putting up the money or maybe you're buying with somebody else to allow yeah. for the financing to actually flow through. Yeah, the, the, the scenario I described for you is, is my favorite, is the one that I, I highly encourage you because remember remember the intention we decided was that you wanted to get the experience and actually acquire the property, okay? And then think about this as a presentation that you have to Uncle Alan and you could sit there and go, Uncle Alan, I believe so much in this real estate that I put my own money into it. As a matter of fact, this is the property I own. I put my own capital into it. I own it. You know the numbers I'm quoting you? These aren't manby fictitious pro forma. These are actual hardcore numbers. These are real numbers because I own this property, right? You see, it's a, it's a lot more of a, of a definitive stake in the ground. This is, I'm excited yeah. about it. I've made a decision and Uncle Alan would just say, yeah, that's awesome. As opposed to a, here's what I'm thinking in theory. Now, if you do this and I do this and the unicorns line and the birds start singing and all this kind of airy, you know, airy fairy stuff out there, right? If you, if you, in theory, if you have all that, it, you, it's harder to sell the deal than something that you actually have as a physical asset that you personally own. I, I can appreciate yeah, I that. Uh, yeah, sorry, Derek, to cut you off on that one. I, I can appreciate that. And I think that um, I, this is refreshing to hear and it's good feedback. One of the biggest challenges, even in, in what we're trying to do in this podcast, is we find that so many people keep so much information hidden and make it sound so much bigger and scarier than what it is. It's not that big and scary. You just have to start somewhere. Here's the basic information. Uh, again, Russ, to your point, our goal here and what we're doing is to say, take 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 as much information as you can. Because to your point, most people don't have the time or the energy to do everything on their own. They still want to work with a professional, but they want to understand what they're doing. They really want to understand. Russ, if I was uh, you know coming to you and, and uh, wanting to work with you. The more I knew about what you do, the more I would trust you and the more I would want you to uh, take over my portfolio. So thank you for explaining that on, on my end. Um, Derek, you had a few points that you wanted to come into. So I'll, I'll take a step back. And yeah, no, that was great. Um, so I wanted to touch on your personal situation when it comes to investments currently. Obviously, you're coaching, mentoring, writing books. 
you talked about, you know, over the years buying a property a month, being how busy you probably are currently with your active businesses, books and, and coaching and, and presenting, are you still actively investing? Are you involved in JVs yourself? Are you still actively watching the market? Yep. For your own investment? Yeah, great, great question. And thank you for asking. Um, my investment mod- model that I like to do is um, I, we do purpose-built rental properties in Edmonton, Alberta. Um, meaning we will either build side-by-side duplex with suites, fourplexes, sixplexes, up to eightplexes, or houses with suites or houses with garage suites. And what they are is they're purposely, intentionally built um, with tenants in mind. Okay. Um, The beautiful thing about Edmonton, Alberta at the moment is new construction properties in Edmonton right now cash flow extremely well. There's not actually a big variance between a resale property and a new construction property. There's not a lot of gap in that, in the, the price points there. So we just build our houses. And we put amazing tenants in it. And we're going to hold those properties for five to seven years at the most. And then at five to seven year mark, we're going to actually look to potentially sell those assets on and buy another brand new property again. And always have brand new houses in the portfolio that are under warranty, that get good tenant profile, that are just low maintenance and low hassle factor. And the reason why I do that is because I've learned very painfully of owning properties over long term and the deferred maintenance of properties. If you've owned it for 15, 20, 25 years, the deferred maintenance on properties can absolutely be a killer that a lot of people don't ever factor in. And that's why I decided to get into brand new construction because it it cash flows for one, it's a better tenant profile and the maintenance issues are next to nothing. And some of the major maintenance issues roofs and furnaces and concrete cracks and all that, it's all under warranty and the builder covers all that, right? So all the major mechanicals is covered by somebody else. Smart. Can you give us an example of maybe one property cost to build rental income that you're pulling in? Yeah, let's, uh, one of the last ones I bought, a brand new suited house, um, 460,000 bucks. Um, that includes taxes. That also includes all the landscaping, all the fencing. That is essentially blinds. It's a turnkey property. Literally, the key went from the builder to my property manager to my tenant because the tenant moved in all within the same week that I took possession of it. Okay. Those are, oh, I'm going to probably get my, my square footage mixed up because in Alberta, they don't measure basements. Um, I think they're, they're like 800 square foot basement suites and they're 1,800, couple, 2,000 square foot uh, houses above. Okay. And those rent for with utilities in just under 3,400 bucks a month. Wow. So, I mean, at a 2% interest rate, if you're 80% financed on the mortgage, you're about, Thirteen fifty a month plus property taxes, so that's some pretty dramatic cash flow. Yeah, they're they're on a pro forma basis, factoring in maintenance, factoring in vacancies, factoring in property management. Um, they're about four to six hundred bucks, and then on months that there's no maintenance or vacancies, they're they're upwards of eight hundred a month. So, so um, you may have somewhat touched on this piece as you were going through it, and maybe I just missed it. But did you mention, you know, the timeline you sell those properties? You said was around five years when you start to move those forward. Is that right? It's typically five to seven year mark, tip before okay. ten years, because at that ten year mark is when you start seeing some of the major mechanicals going. When you have to start repla- replacing roofs, the furnace starts going, hot water tanks, all those things need to start being replaced. I actually will pass all that maintenance on to the next owner. Okay. And so with that being said, you, you transition those properties. We know that Alberta has been in a really interesting place. Interesting, I mean, tough place from a real estate perspective as it pertains to selling uh, and holding values for a quite extended you know, time frame. Obviously, there's been some ups and downs. And most recently, we've seen what's happened in the market. Um, is that something where you would just choose to just continue forward and hold the properties and, and hang on to it until you see the realized value? Uh, or is there a specific plan that you have outside of that? Well, my, my goal is to just to keep, let's, let's, let's put it this way. I'm a long-term holder, but I necessarily aren't going to keep the exact same properties for 20 years. I'm going to keep a portfolio of properties and every seven years I'll transact the prop portfolio and I'll hold it over 15 to 20 years. Does that make sense? 
Um, now, with regards to the Alberta and Edmonton marketplace, that could be a podcast in and of itself to have that conversation. But I'm a firm believer that that market is poised for growth again, um, just Fantastic. from the standpoint of international capital that I'm seeing coming in. Um, also from a standpoint of um, the peak house price in Edmonton, just as an example, the peak house price in Edmonton was 2008. So it's been at best, now guys, if you're listening to this, I'm holding my line, uh, my arm flat. It's been at best a flat marketplace. And a marketplace cannot stay flat forever. And a marketplace cannot go up forever. So a marketplace that's been flat for better part of 12 years has, a, in my personal opinion, has a greater chance of going up than a marketplace that's been going up for the last 12 years. But there's, okay. well, that's that, an entire other conversation that we could get into, a, migration and population growth and affordability indexes. And there's, there's a whole other thing we could get into that level. But bottom line is I'm very bullish on the Alberta marketplaces and I'm diving in with both feet again. Fair point. We appreciate you being open and honest on that. And I think that, uh, yeah, like you you indicated, there is no specific time value. But as long as you understand that you, there's a time frame at which you're going to turn the market over, uh, you've you've got a plan in place. That's the key here. Yeah, well, to that I, point, actually, my, my business model, sorry, maybe I should have answered this. My business model actually only factors in a 2% inflation growth model. And I, so don't, I don't speculate, actually. I invest, right? At that point, that's it's interesting that you say that. Uh, when we're using our models, uh, if someone is generally speaking in the lower main, a lot of people like to stay close to home, right? So when someone is investing close to home, uh, we actually keep it really conservative to your point and we use two and a half percent. So, yep. uh, which as you and I obviously know is dramatically, uh, lower than what the market sees here and realizes, but from a conservative standpoint, worst case scenario, just to understand where you could or would be at that standpoint, interesting yep. feedback on that. Now, um, if any of your, your listeners are ever interested, I actually just created a five-part series on, on how, if somebody was interested, I, I built a model for people over a 15-year time frame, how you can build a $1.8 million real estate freedom plan. And after that time frame, it, can, it would generate $93,000 a month, in, a year in cash flow. So if, maybe if wow. you if you're interested, I can share that with you. I'm actually I think by the time of this recording, I'm just on part three of five, but it's a five part series on how to build that one point eight million dollar asset base and ninety three thousand dollars a year in income. Where can we find that? In that the would website? be a, my podcast would probably be the best and the easiest way would probably just through my website at russellwestcott.com. Okay, so Russ, we, just to kind of do some tra backtracking here, we talked a little bit about the importance of having a, a business plan, um, which you referenced when you get started and or, and or having a plan. Uh, you talked about looking at resources, podcasts, books. Are there any uh, particular books or podcasts that you'd like to recommend that someone who's starting and looking to build out a framework uh, to, uh, looks into before even contacting you or us? Yeah, you know, the best of the best to get started in real estate, if if we're just talking Canada, um, then the one thing that every person needs to read is Real Estate Investing in Canada by Don R. Campbell. Um, that is a bare minimum of every person that I will ever talk to. If they have not read that, I will tell them to read that and then they have to come back to me after after they've read that book. They need to read Real Estate Investing in Canada. And then after they've read that book, they then have to determine, do they have the capital to invest? Yes or no. If they don't have the capital to invest, then they need to read the Real Estate Joint Venture book. And if they it. have capital to invest and they can qualify for mortgages, they need to go talk to Derek and Alex and get you guys all hooked up with some good, good quality mortgage products. Yeah, we will take care of that end of things. So you kind of answered one of my questions right away, which is what are the what are the what are the first things someone should do? Uh, that was going to be my next question, but you took that away. So that's fantastic. When you're looking at a book, uh, start reading the book "Real Estate Investing in Canada" by Don Campbell, and then of course pick up your book right there. No, I would um, the best thing that could advice. Sorry for jumping over here is you need to know where you stand, just like a good GPS. Like where are you today? Like, and it's okay if you're just starting. It is wherever it is what it is. Sorry to steal a Todd Bertuzzi. It is what it is, in, right? You are where you are today. You know today. what? I, 
I've got to stop you there because I say that all the time and I pull up the top Jersey reference and you're the first person that I've met that has actually recognized that reference. I've, I've probably said that 50 times in a phone call and I always say, oh, you don't know what I'm talking about, Todd Bertuzzi? Nothing. Anyways, totally off track. Well, the the, the joke that. after that is when you say it is what it is and then somebody will come back and say, well, if somebody could just tell me what it is. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Um, okay, biggest, what would you avoid doing right now as it pertains to getting involved in real, like what's the biggest thing or uh, like maybe there's a resource that you're like, Oh, that one, maybe a red light. Don't go there. Something that you're seeing people do that they're referencing. Help us, help us understand what should we be avoiding? Yeah. The biggest thing you'd avoid is to go alone, to be honest. Um, you know, no, no, you don't need to be a lone wolf. There are so many incredible resources and podcasts and books and people just willing to help, man. There's, there's, 400 Facebook groups out there of people that are, are, are wanting to learn how to invest in real estate. Here's the thing I've said is don't go alone. And also at the same time, be very aware of the people who you're listening to and make sure they have the experience. Okay. There is an awful lot of people that have been, what I would say, investing in real estate for the last five years that have caught a wave up and everybody is a genius in an up market. Okay. Very few people have been through multiple market cycles that know how to handle a down market, know how to handle flat markets, know how to handle up markets. Find people with the experience and you don't have to listen to another 24 year old that's just bought their second place and you know what i haven't bought one place so they must be an expert right seek wisdom seek experience don't go alone that's sage advice i'll take that and i'll run with it russ appreciate that very much so here's the deal i feel very strongly after listening to uh, you talk today actually i knew this would be the case for us come on uh after getting into this podcast with you here today that we would love to have you come back and do more than one episode of course we're going to leave it up to the audience to find out how they feel as well if you guys are loving this episode as much as uh, we are enjoying talking to russ please send us a direct message reach out to us and reach out to russ to let him know that you're appreciating the message so, uh, so that he knows as well, Russ, let's plug the podcast. Let's plug the website. Tell us where they can find you. Well, the beautiful thing is if you just Google my name, Russell Westcott, um, you will find all things there. It's my YouTube channel. It's my Instagram handle. It's my website name. It's the podcast. Everything's branded under my name. And I, you know, it's, I guess I got lucky and nobody else took that, took that, took that, um, took that name. So, but here's the one, the tip I'm going to give you when you type in Russell Westcott, usually I'm not, you will type in W E S T and it will come up Russell Westbrook. If any of you are basketball fans, I'm they're def, I'm definitely not Russell Westbrook. Okay. So. Awesome. No, you do not look like Russell Westbrook. You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> Although you're probably very good at basketball, we'll we'll try not to mistake the two. Yeah. No, um, and I'd so, be, thank you. I'd be honored. To, I'd be honored to come back again if there is something that your audience would love. I'd love to hear feedback, guys. Wherever you're listening to this, provide the feedback. Get back to Alex and Derek and find out maybe what you want more of. Engage with this. The more your audience engages, the more great guests he's going to have, the more people they're going to have and the more content that they will produce. This is, you know, guys, the more feedback and the more reviews you give to this podcast, the more guests and better guests that they will have on. Love it. We appreciate you very much, my man. And you got to listen to what the man says because he knows what he's talking about. Let's get those reviews in here all day long and then go check out uh, Russ, check out his podcast, uh, listen to his reviews. Uh, Russ, such a pleasure having you on today. If you guys are going to leave here today with a few things, have that business plan ready. Make sure to pick up that book that he mentioned by Don R. Don R. Campbell, which is Real Estate Investing in Canada, and then get Russ's book right after you've done that or, or buy both at the same time. And of course, don't forget the acronym team. I'm not going to read that back to you because you guys got to go rewind and listen to that in case you forgot. Appreciate you coming on today, sir. Have an incredible day. And thank you all for listening to the show today. All right. I sure hope you enjoyed that conversation we had on that, uh, on the podcast, you know, more of a getting started flavor, if you will. So a couple things before we, um, 
jump off here and sign off here today. Number one is if you are listening to this and maybe you're listening to it and you're thinking about putting together your own podcast, or maybe you have your own podcast or a meetup group. If you guys are ever interested, um, by all means, please reach out. I'm more than happy if I have the time available. I'm set up in my studio. I got all the cameras and the lights and all the microphones and all the audio equipment and everything here. I've got years and 20 years of experience. And if you need a little bit of inspiration for your audience, a little bit of a, you know, kick in the backside to get them going, you know, have your audience start taking some action within real estate or even just some personal development. If you guys have a meetup group or a YouTube channel or a podcast, by all means, reach out. I'd be more than happy to uh, jump on your show and provide some inspiration for your audience. And here's the cool thing as I get to then once we're done, I'll share it out with my audience so we can do some, you know, some cross uh, marketing, if you will, and we can uh, help spread the message. At the end of the day, really what the intention is, is to help share the message. The other thing I'm going to say before we do uh, run away here is um, in this conversation, we talked about doing a consultations and diagnostics. So if any of you are interested in wanting to have a conversation about where you are in your real estate investing career, um, at the time of I'm recording this, the consultations are still free. So if you are interested in getting a second pair of eyes on what you're trying to accomplish, maybe you just need a few quick answers on what you're looking for. Uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast episode, there will be a link for a consultation. Now, I cannot guarantee these consultations will be free forever. Uh, but at the time of me recording this is that they are free. The last thing I could just say is click the link, find out if they are still free or not. So I'd be honored if you'd want to reach out and have a conversation. Okay, now before we dive off, dive off here, guys, you know, make sure you share this message. Make sure you leave a review. Make sure you leave some feedback because the feedback and the reviews is what helps spread the message. And the more you share it with other people, if you're in your journeys and having a conversation with maybe a beginner real estate investor, you know, tell me you need to check out the Russell Westcott podcast, especially the last one I heard with uh, where he was interviewed by a couple of mortgage professionals. There was a wonderful getting started theme in there. And I think that would really help serve you, uh, it, you know, serve you. That's the conversation you would have with another person. And with all that being said, you know, I'm going to end this off here. As you know, guys, here's the way we end this off. Always, always, always in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.